Time for the main course. God's word. Psalm 84. Psalm 84. We'll read the the whole psalm, verse 1 to 12. 84 verse 1. To the chief musician upon Giddeth, a psalm for the sons of Korah. How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found an house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will be still praising thee, Selah. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, in whose heart are the ways of them, whose passing through the valley of Baca make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. Let's uh, pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for your goodness to us. And we thank you that you have indeed blessed us, that you watch over us. And I pray that our trust in thee would grow day by day. Lord, as we look back over these last six years, how can our trust not increase? How can our faith not be stronger today than where we were? And Lord, I pray that even from this point, we would continue to increase in your love and by your grace, grow into the image of your only begotten Son, that we might please you in all things, that we might give you the glory, the honour and the praise. May our lives be a complete worship to you. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless us now. As we look into your word, I thank you for our fellowship that you have blessed us with now. And I pray that your presence would be here among us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Six years have gone by. And I was trying to think of what things happen in six years. Like what are, what's the normal things that happen during a six-year period? And the thing I, I came up with was the thing that first sprung to mind was school. You finish primary school in six years. So you have your prep, not counting prep, you have from grade one to six, that's how we have it here in Australia, and then after grade six, you're ready or you're mature enough to move to a a second level. So my question to you today is, are we ready to move to that second level? We've had our six years. We've, We've set a good foundation for our church. And maybe now is the time for us to be thinking about moving now to a higher plane to a higher level. Maybe it's time for us to look at ourselves and say, where we are now is maybe okay for now. 
but where do we see ourselves? Where, where does God want us to be? And these are things we need to be praying through as a church. We need to be considering very carefully. And I, I have great confidence that God will lead us in the direction he would have us go. There's been a lot of talk recently about where we meet as a church. Do we move to somewhere else? Do we make a commitment to, to, to trying a different venue? And maybe that's where God will lead us. But I also have confidence that we don't need to stress about it because God will find the place for us. And you know what's good about God, because God knows I'm a bit thick, is that he normally, he normally makes it very clear where he wants us to go. He opens the door and he says, here you go, come on through. So it's, it's no need for us to be worried or stressed about where we're going to be meeting because God always provides. So as we look back at our six years that we've had as a church, I'm reminded of many times we've had together. We've celebrated weddings. We've witnessed the union of two people together, actually a number of people together. And we've had a situation where we've had people's names, the front seats over here, that were joined together. Maybe we've got a few more weddings to look forward to. We've mourned together at funerals. We've lost people that we've loved, those people that are dear to us. We've comforted one another during those times, which has been great. We've welcomed new people through those doors. And beginning with a core of about 13 people, we are where we are today because of the grace of God. We've also seen some people leave for various reasons. We've witnessed souls being saved. We've experienced the growth in individuals, in people that have set themselves to learn of God's word. And we've seen them grow and become mature. One of the greatest blessings I have is when I see people growing in God. We've seen ministries in our church spring up and grow and mature. We've seen people mature to a, mature to a point where they say, what can I do? Where can I serve in this place? We've witnessed God's miraculous works in our lives. Through prayer. We've seen people restored back to health, souls saved, work found, hearts mended, direction and peace given. We've done a lot of laughing together. If you haven't laughed in here over the last year, then I have to talk with you after. Okay? I've got some great jokes I want to tell you. We laugh a lot, which I'm happy about. We have a lot of reason to be joyous and happy. Especially when we get together. This is every time we get together, you know what this is? A family reunion. A family that's getting ready to embark on the greatest adventure that the world can ever know. And that is an adventure to heaven. We're preparing ourselves for that very day. We've struggled with difficult times as well. We've cried with one another, faced times of stress and hardship together. But you know something? Through all those things, God has remained faithful. He hasn't let us down. He never will. God always keeps his promises. And it's nice to know that as his children, he always watches over us. You may think today, if you're going through a difficult time, that God is not noticing what you're going through. 
But I'll tell, you, I'll tell you right now, he's in it with you. Not just watching you from the outside, he's experiencing it with you. We have no better friend, no greater companion, no one who loves us more than the one who saved us, who gave himself for us. On Wednesday night, we looked at a particular passage uh, in Haggai, and I was talking about the people of God and how they had left God's house or let it go, let it go to ruin, while they concerned themselves so much with their own home. I'll read that passage too, just only three verses. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now a discussion centred on Wednesday night around how does that passage apply to us today? Just as God's house lay in ruins in Israel, when it should have been the first matter of priority for people, today the church lies in ruins around us. We see churches going by the wayside all the time. We see them compromising more and more and more. And as Eddie said, our society is not getting any better. It's getting worse. And it's becoming more difficult to get through to people with the truth. Because the devil has blinded the minds of all those people. And they find it hard to see the, the light. So our job is getting harder. How does that passage relate to us today? Well, our church is the house of God. I'm not talking about this, these walls here. I'm talking about what's in here. God has decided... Not to live in a house made of walls, but in the heart of man. And not in every heart. Only those ones who invite him in. So we are the church. We are the house of the living God. So how much attention do we pay to God's house? What priority does God's church have compared to our own lives? Do we worry more about building our own homes and establishing ourselves than we do about God's house? While the people in Israel pursued their own earthly homes and the betterment of their own lives before the house of God, what do we do today? We have a church and each one of us are part of that church. What priority do we put? The eternal dwelling place of God is much more important than a place where you and I live with bricks and mortar. Where God lives is much more important. So I'm telling you, what I'm basically saying is, how much of a concern is your own heart? Where, where, what priority does that take? Are our own houses in order? Because if our own house isn't in order, we affect everyone else around us. Is it the pastor's job to, to seek the growth of the church? Yes, it is the pastor's job. It's the pastor's job to seek for the, for the faith, for the growth, for the maturing of the church. 
Is it only the pastor's job? No. It's each and every one of us who has a responsibility to everyone else in the church that we serve with all of our might, that we might help build up others to serve God. Our challenge today is to invest the time, the effort to build the church, to be the very thing that God wants it to be. The word anniversary is made up of two Latin words, annum, which means year, and versus, which means to return to, or to turn to. Every year, we return. We look back. We return to the beginning and we say, what's happened over the last year? We return every year to the same thing. Today, what I'd like us to do is to look at the psalmist. Whoever wrote this particular psalm, to look at the first four verses and to try to understand how his heart was towards the house of God. And then what I'd like us to do is to compare our hearts to his and say, is our love for the church as much as his love for the church? Let's look at verse 1 again. 84 verse 1. To the chief musician upon Giddeth, a psalm for the sons of Korah. How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. That word amiable, we don't tend to use that too often these days, do we? I mean, Don's an amiable sort of guy, isn't he? And you get him on a good day, he's good. But we don't tend to use amiable too often when it, with respect to places, do we? So to say something is an, is an amiable place, what he's basically saying is it's lovely to him. It's lovely. It's amiable. It's pleasant to him. He loves it. So the first thing I want you to understand is that to this psalmist, the house of God, the tabernacle of God was lovely. It was lovable to him. You know, it's natural to be wanted to be surrounded by lovable, lovely things, isn't it? Don't we all want to be surrounded by lovely things? If we didn't, then we wouldn't be doing, doing work in our gardens. We wouldn't be decorating our homes. We wouldn't be putting pictures up of our family members on the walls. We wouldn't be doing a whole lot of things. The truth is, as people, we like to be surrounded by things that are lovely to us. We don't, surround, we don't spend time surrounding ourselves with things that are ugly to us, do we? We surround ourselves with things that are lovely. Why? Because they please us. They warm our hearts. That's why we put pictures of our families there. Because when they're gone, you look at them and your heart is blessed. Those things become important to you. It's natural to want to be surrounded by lovely things. But we have many lovely things in this church. Things that we sometimes take for granted. If this were a house, what's our house decorated with? Ever thought about that? What have we decorated our home with? I can tell you a few things right now that we've decorated this home with. One is the word of God. One thing we've decorated our home with, a thing that is important to us that we keep there all the time, is the fact that we, we have our foundation on the word of God. It's important to us. We use it to reference all the time. 
we preach the gospel, another lovely thing in our church. It's beautiful. The fact that we, we've maintained the same message that was preached 2,000 years ago and kept it in its purity. That's beautiful. That's something that's absolutely lovely. Prayer. I love prayer in our church. It's one of the most beautiful things we can do as a church. And I always want to see our church to be always want to see our church being a praying church. Prayer is a beautiful thing, especially when it's done in truth. So there are many lovely things in our church. There are things that make you want to come here because in and of themselves they form part of the beauty of Faith Baptist Church. And that's not to mention the friendliness, the people, the hymns, the spirit, the lightheartedness, the concern and welfare for one another. There are plenty of things that make this home very, very lovely, a place to come and enjoy. Things, the sort of things that make a home a real home. What makes a home a home? Aren't those the things where your heart is drawn to? Aren't those the things that you, that you love, that you cherish? Well, we have many things that we can cherish here. And this is a genuine home. There's nothing quite like the environment of a loving home. A home filled with love makes you feel secure, safe, at peace. And that's what we get here. And that's what I pray will always be here. So when the psalmist speaks here, he speaks of the house of the Lord in terms of love. He finds it pleasant, lovely, lovable, because the objects that he loves are all contained within it. It's a beautiful place for him to be. I remember Jesus saying that where your treasure is, there your heart is also. There are many things that are valuable in this place that we need to protect. And that should be always in our church. While the earth turns and the Lord tarries, our heavenly home exists in its purest form here when we're together. You know Jesus is preparing a place for us, don't you? Did you know that? He's preparing a place for you. But do you know when we get together, we're at home already. We just, we just, when we're with family, when we're with our heavenly family, we are home already. God has already prepared a place for us here before we get there. This is our taste of heaven before we get to heaven. This is our opportunity to get along with one another as family before we spend the rest of eternity together. To get along with everyone. This is our opportunity. When we gather together into one place and call it church, we're actually engaged in a practice which also exists in heaven itself. We worship God. We experience his presence. We commune with him and come before his throne in a way that doesn't happen when we're apart. Something special happens when God's people get together. 
When we approach his throne together, there is something very special that happens. And it's all part of worship. Turn to Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Moreover, now as we read this passage, I want you to read this in the context of family, of, in a, of a church environment. Okay. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. That's an incredible passage. Where two or three are gathered in agreement in the name of Jesus Christ, Jesus will be there in the midst of them and their prayer will be answered. So when we gather together, the same thing happens. Jesus involves himself in some special way that doesn't happen when you're alone. Somehow, when we get together, when God's family gets together, there is a special privilege that's offered to us, the presence of Christ. And when we approach God's throne, and sometimes I picture it in my mind, when we pray, I picture this. I picture that whether it's me praying up here or, or Eddie or whoever it is, that we're all there standing before God's throne in heaven. With this petition. I just can't help but think of it. And the amazing thing is, is that we have as much right to access the throne of God in heaven than the seraphims or the cherubims do that surround him. We stand before him and offer him our petitions, our prayers, our supplications, our adoration. That is an incredible thought. I can't get my head around that thought. But when we get together as a church, that's the very thing that happens. God pays special attention when a church prays. That's why we've seen the answer to so many prayers. We've seen the most difficult things that God has answered because we've prayed together. And this is, like I've said, one of my personal joys in this church. I love it when we pray together. I love it when we worship to God, God together. And the main reason I love when we worship God together and we pray to him and we do all those things, when we celebrate the Lord's table and we sing hymns and we do all those things, is because of verse 2. And verse 2 says, My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. So while the psalmist loves the house of God, 
The reason he loves the house of God is because God's there. Because God's there. Not for all the other frilly bits that happen, not for, not for the heating or for the, or for the beautiful signs, although I love them, at least they're fantastic. Not for the sound system and not for even our fellowship together. These are only byproducts. But the fact that God's there and God reveals himself through this meeting, God speaks to us. He makes his presence felt and known. God works in some mysterious way through each other so that we may influence each other and speak to each other the right words. The reason we love the house of God is because God is in that house. The thing that makes a home lovely is the family in it. And God is our most valuable family member. The thing about being part of the church, because I notice, I notice that the, the verse 2 says that my heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. It's because we found life. God gave us life and now all of a sudden we are alive to God's things. And God opens up our eyes more and more when we get together. In, verse, in John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. That's why we preach God's word here. Because it's life. And when we see other people get raised from the dead, when we see them... <clears throat> Going from an eternity in hell to the path to heaven, that's life. That's an amazing thing that happens. And even Jack, if he was here, I'd probably use him as an example and embarrass him. But to see the change that God, can, that God brings about in a person's heart who was destined for hell and then all of a sudden is alive to the things of God. We can't explain those things. Science can't explain those things. Psychology can't explain those things. And even though they reckon they've found the God particle, you know who binds all the universe together? It's Jesus. He holds the universe together. So if they want to call him Jesus, that's fine. Call it the God particle. At least they're actually, at least they're acknowledging this God. We are blessed to be in this church. We are blessed because God's presence is here. And we see life, his life, being lived out among us. There are many reasons, as I've spoken before, why people go to church these days. I've heard many reasons. I've actually heard people say, I go to the church because my, there is a good youth program for my children. Or there's a good teens group. Or there's a good music. All these good outings, all these good whatever. Are these valid reasons to go to a church? They're not. The only valid reason to go to church is because God is there. And you want to worship him there. If you, don't, if you go to church and you don't think that God's there, don't go. Because what are you doing it for? And often most people say, oh, I didn't get any, anything out of the service. I've heard that said before. I stopped going to the so-and-so church or that church because I didn't get anything out of it. Really? 
You didn't get anything out of it. And you're going to wait for me to say, did you put anything into it? But the truth of the matter is, they're blinded. There is no, no sight there. If a person goes to church and says, I got nothing out of it, then you've missed the whole point of going to church. Because we go to church to meet God together, to experience him, to learn of him, to know him more together. Every other reason is secondary. Look at verse 3. Yea, the sparrow hath found a house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. You know, the, the person who wrote the psalm <coughs> sought refuge in the house of God. It was his home. You know, home is a safe place, isn't it? You know, when you don't feel safe in your home, how do you... F- it's a terrible feeling, isn't it? If you've ever been broken into, if you've, if you've ever had your home broken into, you know how terrible that feels. Because your home should be a safe place. It's a place where you go to have peace, comfort, rest and safety. And this is another reason why we come to church. Out there, there's heartache and turmoil and unrest and hatred and bitterness and sin and every other thing you can imagine. So when we come in here, let me ask you a question. Should it be a place where you are at peace or a place where you are not at peace? Should it be a place where you feel safe? Of course it is. Church should be a place where you feel safe. Where you know that what's being preached behind this pulpit is for your good and is not going off on different tangents and teaching you wrong things. Church should be a safe place. A place that makes you feel secure. A place where you can rest from the turmoils of the world. Psalm 18.2 says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. Being in church grants spiritual protection for the believer. I firmly believe this. People underestimate the amount that God protects you when you are in a church. When you're part of a church family, there are things that are unseen that are actually watching over you. You might say, well, has it? God has his angels encamped about his saints. When his saints are together, God watches over them. When someone goes astray, they go astray and they risk their own lives. When people do not come under the authority of a local church, then they put themselves at risk in this world. We're blessed to be part of the church because being part of the church offers protection, spiritual protection. The swallow and the sparrow, it says here, lay their young in nests. They find their homes. Does a swallow or a sparrow put their nest in the middle of a road? No. They put their nests in places that are very difficult to access, places that are safe, so they know that when they lay their eggs and they have their young, that they are safe from attack. And that's the same here. This is a place that should be shielded. 
part of my job is to actually make sure that happens. That we don't have false teachings coming into the church. That we don't have people coming in causing division. That's part of my job. That's part of your job too. Church should be a safe place. The devil may try and attack you one-on-one -on -one when you're alone. But when you're in church, or if you're part of a church, he has a lot harder time doing that. He has to get through a lot more prayer. He has to get through a lot more protection than if you were by yourself. We should always be mindful of our place within church and how we relate to it. The Bible says that God judges those who cause division in church, who cause strife and spread heresies. The scriptures are very clear about God's judgment on those who cause division and those sorts of things in the church or who seek to live outside of its boundaries. They do so at their own peril. But I thank God because part of the praise that we had today was that our church has good unity. We stand firm on God's word. There are certain things that we will not compromise on. And if we hold to those truths, we will maintain the unity. Because we seek the same things. Last verse. Verse 4. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will, will sorry, still praise they will be still praising thee, Selah. The person who wrote the psalm, and I'm not sure if it was King David, to be honest with you. He has much to praise God for. He recognizes the blessings that are in God's house and he spends his time praising God for those blessings. This place should be a place of praise. A place where we thank God. Where we thank God all the, every day and in every way because of what we've been given. And we should be thankful for the fact that we are part of this place. Yeah, a lot of things that God answers in our lives but this is one huge prayer that we have an answer to. That God has provided us a home, a place where we can serve, where we can grow, where God has blessed us. So, when we look at our past six years, we've got a huge amount to be thankful for, don't we? We've seen so many great things that God has done for us. But God hasn't finished yet. God is still going. God continues to work. So my question to you today is, what priority does God's house have for you? How important is, first of all, your own heart towards the Lord and, second of all, the hearts of everyone else in this place? There's a beautiful verse in Psalm 22, verse 3, that says, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. God lives in our praises. God's exalted and enthroned in our praises. A church that doesn't praise God or thank him for the wonderful things he's done is not alive, but he's dead. Today, can you truly say with all your heart, that just like the person who wrote this psalm, that one, the house of God is lovely to you. Two, the presence of the Lord is a thing you long for. 
in this house. Three, in this house you find rest, peace and protection. And finally, do you praise him enough? I'll leave you with those four thoughts because as we move into this next phase of our church, it's critical that we have our foundation in place. The beautiful thing is that even though the world around us may change, and some people in our church may change, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He doesn't change. He always answers his prayer and he answers our prayers and keeps his promises. So let's increase in faith, as Brother Eddie says. Let's increase our faith. Let's trust him more and more. And let's be thankful for what we have here. God bless you. And I thank you for all of you too. Thank you.